You're listening to podcast audio from Radiant Church, located in Bay City, Michigan. For more information on Radiant Church, you can check us out on www.radiantbc.com or follow us on social media at Radiant Bay City. Well, good afternoon and Merry Christmas, Radiant Church. Wow, it is so good to see all of you here. If you're new with us, listen, my name is Marco Salazar. I'm the lead pastor of Radiant Church. And again, like Carter said, thank you for spending part of your Christmas with us. Apparently, uh, God saw it fit to give us Snowmageddon uh, for Christmas. But the good news is that the sun is out, so we're very thankful for that today. Hey, listen, we have been in a message series for the past several weeks entitled, very simple, Christmas, the Gift of Hope. Christmas, the Gift of Hope. And we've been exploring and discovering all of the ways, not all of the ways, but many of the ways that Jesus is our long-awaited hope. You know, here's the thing that we all have in common. We're all desiring hope. We're all creatures of hope. It's the thing that we're all looking for in our lives, no matter how old you are, no matter what life experience or where you come from or your family background. We're all looking for lives of hope. Maybe you've heard the saying or the phrase, a silver lining, right? A silver lining refers to a sign of hope in an unfortunate or gloomy situation. When everything is going bad, you find that silver lining. It's the one thing that you grab onto and say, yes, but this is what good came out of it, right? So throughout history, people have been looking for hope. Helen Keller, in the year 1904, she became the first deaf and blind woman to receive her bachelor's degree. Here's what she wrote about hope. She said this, Optimism is the faith that leads to achievement. Nothing can be done without hope and confidence. Martin Luther King Jr. also said this. He said, we must accept finite disappointment, but never lose infinite hope. We must always look for hope in the situation. Now, if these statements are true, and if people throughout history, including ourselves, have been people who are looking for hope. The question there then that we have for today is where, where do we find it? Where do we find hope? You know, so many people find hope in political figures, in, in politics or governments or, or rulers and authorities. Some people find hope in celebrities and, and stars that they might see on television. And listen, I'm here to tell you today and make the case that Let's not look to any of those people, and rather, let's actually shift our focus to the God-man who is Jesus Christ. You see, when we recognize Jesus as our rightful king, God does something incredible to us. Not only does God give us his Holy Spirit, the very presence of God that comes and lives on the inside of us. But the Lord himself, God actually fills us with eternal hope, eternal hope. Now, here's the thing. There have been many famous kings throughout history. And I love the book that, or the children's story that we read just several minutes ago touched on this. There have been many famous kings throughout history, but none like 
Jesus. The scripture calls him the son of God. Can I just tell you that Jesus has made such a profound impact on our world that did you know that today over a billion people claim to know Jesus as their Lord and their Savior? A billion people. The world celebrates his birth every single Christmas, and believers celebrate his resurrection every single Easter Sunday. There have been more songs that have been sung to him, more pictures painted portraying him, more books written about him, and more lives devoted to him than any other person who has ever lived. That is a profound impact on our world. This morning, here's what I want to do. I just want to, or afternoon rather, (laughs) I want to just read a few verses from the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 2, and this is in the New Testament, and these verses are speaking about the birth narrative of Jesus. Now, if you're new to the Bible here, here's what you need to know. 25%, about 25% of the Bible is prophetic. In other words, it speaks of things yet to come or that have already actually been fulfilled. It's incredible. In fact, scholars have come to the conclusion that on the low end, listen, there are about 60, and then on the high end, there are 300 to 400 prophecies in the Old Testament that have come to pass in the birth of Jesus. So the Bible is unlike any other book that you can ever read. This is why we can trust it. This is why it's trustworthy. This morning or this afternoon, I want to read just a few verses from Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse number 1. I'll have the verses behind me. I would love for you to follow along for the next several minutes. Here's what it says. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw the star when it rose and have come to worship him. Now, let's skip down just a bit further to verse number 10 says this, when they saw the star, the Magi, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down. Notice the posture they took before this baby. They bowed down, and they what? Worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Church this morning, We're going to dive into this for just a few minutes, but let us pray for just a few moments, and then we'll dive into the rest of what God would have for us this afternoon. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we love you. We thank you so much for what you're doing in and through Radiant Church. Father, we ask that you might open uh, blind eyes today, unlock deaf ears, and soften, Lord, hardened hearts, because hearts become hardened due to difficulties in life because of circumstances. So we pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, God, would you draw men, women, and children to you so that they might see, they might embrace Jesus Christ as the sinless Son of God. And that would change lives forever. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. 
Well, as we open up the scripture this morning, we see in Matthew chapter 2 that there were these magi, or you might call them wise men, and they appear in the beginning of the narrative, and they've come to honor Jesus. They were from the east, and so it was very likely that these wise men were Persian or Babylonian, Babylonian astrologers. Now, Tradition would tell us that there were just three wise men, but we don't actually know that because that's associated with the amount of gifts. You see, in the first century in uh, the Near East, it was very dangerous for people to travel in these regions. And so it was likely that these magi actually traveled in a large entourage. So perhaps there were actually more than just three that were there. I don't know if you noticed this, but the Magi bring gifts to Jesus. They bring gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, these gifts, of course, we know gold is or was the, the standard currency of that day. And of course, we all know that gold is a precious metal. It's a precious commodity. If you have a gold watch or gold jewelry, it's worth some money, right? So that was worth great value. There was frankincense and myrrh, and these were often used in religious ceremonies because they had a, a, a fragrant uh, property to them. Again, Matthew doesn't tell us how many of each gifts that they or that Jesus receives, but again, we know that these are precious commodities. Simply put, these are the type of gifts that you give to a really important person, to someone who is really, really special, to someone who is a king. Now, despite the humble surroundings that they find, found themselves in, these wise men, or magi, they believed that they were in the presence of Israel's greatest king, and they gave him gifts that befitted that title, that position. Now, to give you just a bit of context for this afternoon, the Jewish people were actually awaiting the Messiah. They were awaiting a king, a savior to come and really just overthrow Roman occupation. But here's the thing, or here's the problem. The problem is the Jews expected their king to be born in a palace, to really have wealth, luxury, and comfort surrounding him. You see, if uh, a king was born today, he would be born in, a, in great wealth in a palace, maybe a, a crib made of gold. Nobody expected that this king would be born in a manger, or really, truly, it was a feeding trough. You see, no one predicted that this king, the son of God, would befriend prostitutes, touch lepers, listen, and love those whom the religious institutions had rejected. They never imagined a king who would choose uneducated fishermen, uh, former tax collectors, and people with just a shady background who were known for being in trouble as those who would follow him, his disciples. No one ever imagined that this king would forgive a woman caught in adultery, but over and over and over again, Jesus would confront the hypocrisy of the religious rulers in that day. 
Jesus was a king like no other king. No one predicted or expected that this king would die a shameful death in front of a crowd who was mocking him. No one expected that three days later, when women came to the tomb, that the stone would be rolled away because his body was no longer there. He had arisen from the grave. This king now is alive, is well, and sits at the right hand of the Father. Jesus is a king like no other. And what's interesting to me is that when you look at this story that we just looked at, is that there's about three different distinct responses that we see in Scripture. Now, here we are some 2,000 years later, and those three distinct responses still exist. These are still the same responses that people give to Jesus as king. I want to break those down to you briefly. Three different responses that people today have to Jesus being the rightful king of this world. The first one is represented by King Herod. Now, if you know the story, the surrounding context here, King Herod was in charge in the Roman days back in that time period. And when King Herod found out that Jesus was born, you see, he was threatened by the kingship of Jesus. So he issued a decree throughout all of Bethlehem that all boys two years and under would be put to death. Because again, Jesus was a, was a threat to Herod's kingship. Herod opposed the King Jesus. Now, maybe you're here this afternoon and you wouldn't think that was your response, but perhaps you're here and you're thinking to yourself, you know what, this whole service thing is just a formality. This is, I'm just here because Grandma wanted me to be here. You know, Uncle Tom invited me 10 times. He texted me to come, and I'm like, fine, I'll go to church. But you know what, I'm here, and Jesus is great, but he's not for me. You religious people have your fun and do your little thing, but I'm not interested. And besides, I don't want anyone telling me what to do, how to live my life. Maybe that's your response today. And you wouldn't think it's opposing Jesus, but that's truly what you're doing. You're opposing Jesus as king. The second group, or the second response, is profoundly common today, and that's of the Jewish priest. They didn't oppose Jesus. Listen, they just dismissed him as king. They just simply dismissed him as king. They just kind of blew him off, which is so bizarre because these were Jewish priests. They actually quoted scripture, Micah 5, 2, and say they, they had an idea that this king was coming. And check this out. Even though they were only five miles away, scholars tell us they did not come to worship Jesus. They wrote him off as being the king. They blew him off. And the same thing happens today, folks. Maybe this is you, right? People ask you, hey, would you come to church? And you're thinking, yeah, you know what? I got a lot going on right now. And, and no thanks, I'm just really busy. And, and Jesus is nice, but you know, I, I just, I don't need another thing to do on the weekends, you know what I mean? I'm trying to rest, and I, I like to sleep in and have a, you know, some pancakes and sausage, you know, and I don't, yeah, you know what I mean? And so you just dismiss Jesus as king. You're not really sort of raging your fist at heaven, but you're dismissing him as king. And finally, there's one more response that we see in the scripture 
today, and that is of the Magi. We just read those verses. The wise men, what do they do? They come in the presence of Jesus. They offer him gifts, and they bow down, and they worship Jesus as their rightful king. So perhaps maybe that's your response today. Jesus or even church is not a formality. You have bowed your knee, but let's more accurately, you have bowed and surrendered your heart to the kingship of Jesus. You're saying to Jesus, listen, you, you don't just deserve my Sunday morning. You get my whole life. Because that's what the Magi did. They brought him gifts and they bowed down to Jesus as king. So Radiant Church and those who are of you who are just visiting today, I want to just ask you now the same question. How do you respond to Jesus as king? Are you opposing him like Herod? And you're thinking to yourself, I don't need that. I'm not interested. You know what? Religious people are great, but that's not for me. I don't want anyone telling me what to do. Are you like the Jewish priest who just dismissed Jesus and you're just, you're too busy and you know what, that's fine for you guys, but you know, I got other things going on and you know, I live a busy life and I really don't need another activity to do. Or are you like the Magi when you confront Jesus or rather when he confronts you, you bow your knee, you bow your heart and you submit, not just a Sunday morning ritual, not just a little service, listen, but you submit your entire life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. What will your response be today? Now listen, I got a few more minutes, but perhaps you're thinking, Marco, okay, this is all great, but are you serious? Do you really, do I, do I really need to respond today? I mean, come on, is it that big of a deal? And I would say it absolutely is a huge deal because if, listen, if Jesus is who he says he is, is if Jesus is the son of God, God in the flesh himself, our risen savior, the one who will return one day to this earth to judge the living and the dead. Listen, I would say that this is the most important decision you'd ever make. And friends, listen, I want you to receive this gift. We can always open presents tomorrow morning or tonight, and those are nice and those are great. But as Troy, one of our elders, alluded to earlier, I want you to receive the gift, not under the tree, but who was hung on the tree in your place, who makes a way where there was no way. I want to just say this to you this morning. We don't get to God. He came to us. There's no way for us to get to God. You can try to live the right way and do the right thing, and 10 seconds later, I promise you, you will fail. You will fail. None of us, listen, can merit the favor of God in it of the things that we do. We all fall short. The scripture tells us that we've all sinned and that we fall short of the glory of God. But through Jesus Christ, the sinless son of God, the one who goes in our place and makes a way for us, when we put our faith, our trust, our total reliance on him, listen, God accepts that sacrifice and we're made right in the eyes of God. We're forgiven, we're healed, we're reconciled, and we're given not just new life in eternity, but new life right now. 
right now in this moment. So friends, will you receive Jesus as the gift of hope today? Will you receive Jesus as your Lord, as your Savior? Will you surrender your life to him today and let him change your life for eternity? We're going to close service in just one more minute. I want to read to you John chapter 8, verse 12. It says this. This is Jesus' own words about himself. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me, Jesus that is, will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You see, here's what happens. When we follow Jesus, when we submit our lives to the Lordship of Christ, we walk in newness of life. We literally walk in his light, no longer in darkness. And to symbolize that, church, this afternoon, we're going to light candles. The ushers are going to come around in just a moment. We're going to light candles. The ushers will come around and light the first candle in each row. And then you, in turn, will light the candle of the person next to you. And then we'll sing a song together. So ushers, will you go ahead and begin to make your way through the aisles? And parents, will you help your children with the glow sticks as well? I know it's going to be a bit chaotic for just a few seconds, but bear with me. I want to pray as we close our time up this afternoon. And before we, before we sing... Before we sing this afternoon, one last song, before we worship our King, I want to pray with you, and this prayer may be the catalyst for you that changes everything, the catalyst that changes everything, for you to receive Jesus as your Lord, not just some sort of religion, not just uh, even just a belief system, but a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through Jesus. And I want to pray with you this afternoon. Let's pray together, church. Father in heaven, we love you and we thank you for the gift of hope this Christmas. We thank you for the sinless Son of God, Jesus, who makes a way. When we couldn't get to heaven, Jesus came down to us and made a way for us. Father, forgive us of the ways that we've turned our back on you. And this Christmas, we say we're coming back home. We want to be forgiven of our sins. We want to be made right with God. We want a new life right now. God, we no longer want to walk in darkness. We want to walk in light. So come, Holy Spirit, awaken faith in this place. We turn away from sin this afternoon and we put our faith in Jesus Christ today. We thank you for that gift. We thank you that Jesus died on the cross in our place, but three days later, he was raised to new life. He sits at the right hand of the Father, and one day will come again to judge the living and the dead. And that day, we will see our Savior. So we thank you for that gift. We receive it today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.